right, glad you're with us, Sean Hannity Show. We're in the swamp, we're in the sewer, we're in uh, Washington, D.C. What a night tonight is going to be at the Republican National Convention. It's only 69 days. It is going to fly by, uh, and you become the ultimate jury. Now, uh, I want to urge and attention to the election map that we've made available to everybody on Hannity.com. For example, are you registered to vote? Have you thought about registering? Would you like to register to vote? The information is there on Hannity.com. It's an interactive map uh, for whatever state you happen to live in and county, et cetera, um, across the country. And what about early voting? When does that start or does it start in your state? What about if you need to vote absentee this year? How do you do it? What about what's on the ballot in your district? Who's running for Congress? Do you have a Senate race this year? All up on Hannity.com and our interactive map uh, because uh, a lot of states are going to cut off registration sooner than later. You need to find out. If you haven't done it, please do so. Um, If you want to participate. This election matters. It's live free or die. I really believe with all my heart, America and the world on the brink. Oh, I got an announcement. Now, we're loaded up today. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, uh, Herschel Walker will join us. Uh, Rand Paul, uh, Abby Johnson, who spoke last night, who was the founder, and then there were none. Uh, that's all coming up uh, tonight. Uh, I'm so That's all coming up today. Now, at 6 Eastern, a little less than three hours from now, Herschel Walker and I are doing a town hall. He's going to join us in our final hour, final hour free-for-all today. And then we will do at 6 Eastern a a town hall. It's free. One of these virtual town halls. All you have to do is go to Hannity.com and click on the the join here button. It goes up exactly at 6 o'clock, not before. And, and by the way, technology has been amazing. We've had no glitches. We've done very well. Maybe the first one, we had a little bit of a glitch that lasted like four seconds. We were able to fix it, thank goodness. Uh, and I'll tell you, we enjoy doing it. We have other ones planned, and so we're pretty excited about all of this. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty fascinating. So last night, I told you at the start of the program yesterday, I'm going to listen. Those of you who didn't want interruptions, we didn't have any guests last night. And basically, I just sort of, you know, navigated through the convention for the hour. I was in the Rose Garden. You know, I forget sometimes I got to stop and stand back and pinch myself a little bit. The Rose Garden, if you're in the Oval Office and you look out the door, or if the president's sitting at his desk, which happens to be the same desk that many presidents have used, and that's the same one that uh, uh, President John Kennedy used and Reagan used and I think Obama used it. I think Bush used it. And and President Trump is using it. And if you look, if the president's sitting in the Oval Office and you look to the right, that's the Rose Garden. And it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. I think they recently redid a big part of it. And it was When I got there, it's all dark. And then the lights went on. It was, like, pretty phenomenal. Uh, I thought the First Lady was inspiring and, and phenomenal. What did Bette Midler say again? I mean, it was, be, you know, it's just amazing how vicious, horrific. I mean, it just speaks volumes about her. She said on Twitter, yeah. oh, God, she still can't speak English. Again, the tolerant okay. left at its finest. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, bet you're a moron and you're ignorant. Uh, English happens to be, I think, her fifth language, not her first language. 
She told an amazing American story, and I would think you would celebrate her great American story, a, a successful entrepreneur, model, uh, multimillionaire on her own, pre-Donald Trump. Uh, I thought we celebrated one success in this, in this country. Apparently, you don't. I guess everything is in your world. of You see everything through your prism of I hate all things Donald Trump. And then we have, you know, these horrific events unfolding in Kenosha. The president has uh, tweeted out and announced that he is sending troops to restore order. This is the most amazing thing. Last night apparently could have been prevented, but the Democratic governor like the governor of New York, like the dopey mayor, I'm sorry, the mayor of New York and the governor of New York and the mayor of Chicago and the mayor of Portland and the mayor of Seattle and the mayor of Los Angeles and the mayor of San Francisco. We don't want Donald Trump's help. Now they have to ask for help. So apparently I guess some ask came because the president sending help to Wisconsin and Kenosha to restore order. Now we have enough. Do we have enough dead people yet to restore order for the people that deserve it in Wisconsin? You know, in every one of these cities, there are Americans that are law abiding, hard working, the heart and soul of this country. And we are failing them. You cannot pursue happiness if you don't have law and order and safety and security. You know, the, the eight-year-old beautiful girl should not have died because her mom made a wrong turn a, into a chop zone in, in Atlanta. Again, liberal Democrat runs the city. Uh, we shouldn't have had a one-year-old little boy killed in a stroller in New York in a park, uh, and it happened. Uh, and I, I, this can't happen. And my, our correspondent, Lawrence Jones, interviewed the father and the grandparent. We shouldn't have lost on the 4th of July weekend that beautiful seven-year-old girl in Chicago that I talk about. And again, Lawrence Jones interviewed the family, you know, at her grandma's house on the 4th of July weekend. But that's every weekend. It's a war zone in Chicago. Uh, we shouldn't have... You know, Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr., nobody had reached out to this this poor man about his 19-year-old son killed in the summer of love zone, the spaghetti potluck dinner zone, the autonomous zone, the chop, the chaz zone. But it happened, and others died in other, in other places, and the rioting still continues in Portland, and the dopey mayor and the dopey Democratic governors of these states do nothing to solve the problem. And I call it a preview of coming attractions. By the way, what a difference a week can make. By the way, we're also watching Laura. We'll check in with Joe Bastardi at the bottom of this half hour. This seems like the real deal to me. Cat 4 headed towards the the energy hub uh, right, right north of Houston, Texas. This is uh, not a good place for this thing to hit. And there have been evacuation orders for our friends in Houston, in the area. Please do me a favor. Please do yourself a favor. Do just, I know it's a pain in the ass. You got to pack up the car. 
You got to take your stuff, pull out family memories, things that, you know, may not be there when you get back. Flooding is going to be real. And and you have to, you know what, wait probably in a lot of traffic and to get out of there. Take the advice of the experts. Just go. What's the worst case scenario is you go and you went for nothing. Okay. No harm, no foul. If you stay and you risk your life, uh, then it's going to be more than losing property or your memories. It's going to be losing yourself <clears throat> or a family member. We, we can prevent that if you are smart and heed the warnings. You know, science has brought us to a part. Believe the scientists. Be- I'm believing the scientists. The scientists, the meteorologists are saying, get the hell out. Well, I'm very respectfully saying, get the hell out. You know, listen to the experts. And if you shelter in place, I guess the next best thing is do it as wisely as you can. I don't recommend that. I recommend if they say out, get out. You know, there's that famous story where a guy, you know, is told, oh, you, you, the, the, the levee is about to be breached. Everybody needs to evacuate. Guy says, no, God is going to save me. You got to come with us. You got to come pleading with the guy. God, God's going to save me. Okay. They have to get everybody else out. They come back. It's going to breach immediately. God's going to save me. Okay. We, we're trying. This is not going to be good. Trust us. Next time. Okay, the the levee's breached. Boom, the house is flooded. They send in a boat to save the guy. Guy says, oh, no, no, no. God's going to save me. Get in the boat. We can save your life. It's going to get worse. No. Next time, they send the helicopter because he's on the top of his roof. And you know what? Now water's up to his, his, his chest and like, just grab the life thing. We're going to pull you to safety. God's going to save me. And you know, guy dies, drowns. Gets to heaven, the pearly gates. And he says, I thought, God, I thought you were going to save me. He goes, excuse me. I sent cars. I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter to save you. Why didn't you take it? Take the lifeline. Um, you know what? It's Inconvenient is one thing. Losing your life, risking your life. Life's too precious. Uh, a lot coming up tonight. By the way, uh, we'll be doing Hannity from Fort McHenry tonight. Uh, where Vice President Pence is the headliner. Um, and great, great lineup. And, and Marsha Blackburn, Karen Pence, wonderful person. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is speaking tonight. Rick Rennell, Joni Ernst is speaking tonight. Uh, Christy Nome is speech, speaking tonight. Our friend Burgess Owens in Utah is running for what, the 4th Congressional District out there. Laura Trump is work, uh, speaking tonight. Alice, Elise Stefanik of New York is speaking tonight. Uh, a lot of a lot of friends of the per, a lot of personal stories, and all I can say is what a difference a, a a week makes, right? We hear the great American story of goodness, greatness, exceptionalism that wasn't discussed at all last week, and I'm thinking, wow, what a dramatic difference. So now I know why everybody was saying, just stick with the program, Hannity. Just So I stuck with the program. How great was Nicholas Sandman last night? How great was the discussion? Uh, Chris, uh, Sissy, uh, I, I can't name everybody, Chris, Graham Lynch uh, discussing. There's no, no president that has done more for li- religious liberty than Donald Trump. No greater friend to the pro-life movement than Donald Trump. The only president in history ever to speak at the annual Right to Life March. Uh, the only president in history that has been so supportive of the state of Israel. Uh, you have a, a Demo- you have all these Democrats now supporting 
Donald Trump. Uh, Abby Johnson is going to join us later. <coughs> Excuse me. Former Planned Parenthood director turned pro-life advocate. What a story. The Nicholas Sandman story. I looked at this guy. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This kid's grown up. A handsome young man. He has Lynn Wood as his attorney, who happens to be my attorney. Um, did phenomenal. Pam Bondi uh, celebrating women of the Trump administration. Tiffany Trump did phenomenal. Our Eric Trump, the Iowa governor. Kim Reynolds did terrific. Uh, so we're going to go. We're going to do the same thing we did last night, and we're, we're going to run it uh, for you uh, with few as few interruptions. No, we're not doing any commercial interruptions. No interruptions at all, and uh, you won't miss a thing. And I'll be at Fort McHenry, sort of emceeing the activities from the TV point of view. Maybe jumping in, filling in, navigating, so you know who's up uh, and who's coming up. Uh, but just tune in to Fox. Hope you set your DVR. Hope you set your DVR every night. 9 Eastern for the Fox News Channel. Uh, I'm, I, I didn't get a lot on the ratings, except you set the all-time rating for your hour ever in the history of the channel, which is nice to hear. Uh, the less of me, I guess, means more. Less of me means more. I should just shut up every day and just let everyone else talk, uh, which, by the way, some of you screamed at me to do, but I did listen. How funny was Sluggo yesterday? Oh, my gosh. Most Sherry Bugsy said he was dying. Um, anyway, well, the funniest part of, of Sluggo was that Sluggo was trying to tell a story. And, and say, I interrupted him. You interrupted him. On purpose. It's, it's amazing. Because Sluggo deserved it. A story about interrupting, and you interrupted By him. By the way, you know he didn't pay me when I was in Atlanta. I wouldn't pay you either for breaking and entering. Oh, stop. Uh, here we go. And as we roll along from the swamp, from the sewer, Fort McHenry tonight, Town Hall with uh, Herschel Walker. It's for free for everybody. Uh, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific today. I hope you have time. Uh, um, unbelievable time. I mean, what a great honor to be in the Rose Garden. Going to be at Fort McHenry tonight. We'll be on the South Lawn on Thursday night when the president gives his speech. And uh, so much going on. Amazing times. We're going to get an update on uh, the pending hurricane that is, uh, you know, now bearing down on Texas. Uh, if you are in the area, you're going to expect power outages, surges of 20 feet or more, uh, winds of 150 miles an hour when it gets there. This is the real deal, you know, 155 miles per hour. So, you know, you got to be very, very careful as this thing is uh, gaining strength. And that's what Joe, Joe Bastardi lives. He eats, he breathes, he sleeps storms, but it looks like it's going to hit, be hit landfall at about 145 uh, miles per hour or higher. And what's, you know, that is an unsurvivable storm surge, they are calling it, to parts of Texas and Louisiana. In other words, if you're listening to me, get out. Get out now. Get out. Of They've been told to get out. Get out. And uh, so this way, if your home is destroyed, America will be there, as we always are. We'll help. We can take your pictures, take what matters most, and get the hell out. We'll continue. Bastardi's next. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour uh, as we continue our coverage of the Republican National uh, Convention. Unbelievable difference between this week and last week. You know, I, I saw Joel Lockhart. We mentioned Bette Midler earlier in her comments about the first lady. Just repulsive, as usual, from her. Then you've got this idiot. I, I think he's probably the dumbest press secretary ever in the history of press secretaries. Uh, but Joel Lockhart, he lit on fake news, CNN, 
called Nicholas Sandman a snot-nosed, entitled kid from Kentucky. Is there something wrong with being from Kentucky? Because I like Kentucky. A lot of my friends love Kentucky bourbon. I have friends in Kentucky. I have friends in Ohio. Uh, what an what, what a revealing statement. Uh, I hope Lynn Wood, who's also my attorney, sues him again and wins again. Sure. Well, they agree to a settlement, of course, the contents of which will never be disclosed. Okay. That you, is that that's that's CNN. This is CNN, a kid that they unfairly smeared, libeled, slandered, besmirched their typical character associate uh, assassination. What they did to this kid did nothing wrong. He did nothing. Everything they said was a lie, just like the hoax, the Russian hoax, just like the Ukrainian double standard hoax. They're just repulsive people over there. Fake news, CNN. That's who they are. And the rest of the mob and the media. Hey, uh, Joe Lockhart, the only one that's a snot-nosed, entitled kid from wherever you are is you. That would be you. You want to pick on a kid, Joe? How about pick on me? Let's you and I have a public fight. I'm open for that. Anytime you want. Why don't you come on this program, Joe Lockhart? You are so big and tough. You want to call a, a, what is he, 18, 19-year-old kid now? You want to call him a snot-nosed, entitled kid when he had to live through your lying, your your company's lying and slander and smears and besmirchment and character association as you falsely reported and then kept reporting and kept reporting and kept reporting and kept reporting and kept reporting? And by the way, you know it and I know it and fake news CNN knows it. Lynn Wood kicked your ass. And you know what? He'll do it again. Just like Charles Harder kicks your ass and all these other attorneys kick your ass because you know what? You're always guilty. But And the difference between Nicholas Sandman and somebody like Sean Hannity, guess what? Is very clear is that he's not a public figure. Yeah. Oh, that now means Times v. Sullivan doesn't apply. All right, a uh, lot of stories coming. Hurricane Laura is about to pound north of te- uh, just north of Houston, Texas, uh, with winds we expect at 155 miles per hour. This is the real deal. They said literally they're telling you that the flooding will be so bad it's not survivable. People have been told to get out. Please listen to your local authorities. Joe Bastardi has been urgently uh, writing me today. And he joins us now from weatherbell.com, the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity Show. All right, this is now the energy hub of Texas we're talking about here. This is very dangerous on a lot of levels. Uh, I'll let you take it from here and tell us what's happening, when it's happening, what people need to do. Well, Houston and Galveston, those uh, big energy areas are going to get off. The problem is Beaumont, Port Arthur, and Lake Charles together are extremely important. And this looks to me like Lake Charles, uh, Louisiana, which is uh, going through Rita and going through Audrey, Audrey in 57, which were both uh, Rita was a three and Audrey uh, was a four, and they've downgraded to a three. This will be worse than both those storms. Uh, we're going to see wind gusts, and if you've ever been through that part of Louisiana, uh, you know what Lake Charles looks like. We're going to see wind gusts 150, 160 miles an hour into Lake Charles. Now, as far as Port Arthur and Orange 
and Beaumont in those areas, I think the winds will be uh, gusting 100, 120 out of the north because the center is going to come ashore just to the southwest of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Now, if there's a silver lining in this whole thing, it's that this is not like something hitting directly at uh, Myrtle Beach or Miami. There's no one in the area, really, where this is making landfall. The cities are backed away. They're smart enough to understand you don't build your city right on the coast in that area. They've been hit so many times by hurricanes. But this is the strongest one on record, and it matches the same pattern, Sean, we saw, the strongest one on record for this area, uh, that we saw with Harvey and Michael, and uh, those two storms intensified within a day or two of land, and that's why you were getting emails, and Linda's probably sick of me, you know, from a week away saying this is dangerous, is both the track and intensity with these late-blooming storms are very, very dangerous because you don't have the time to get out. If this was, if this was 100 miles further west into Houston and Galveston, th- this would be a, a, an unmitigated disaster because you wouldn't have time to get out. But uh, this is a, a less populated area if that is a silver lining, but a major energy hub. And here's the other thing with this. It's going to probably break wind gush record all the way up to Little Rock and perhaps Memphis. This will still have winds 80, 90 miles an hour around Shreveport, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour around Little Rock because of the configuration of the system and the relation to the jet stream. And we, uh, so this may be the strongest storm wind-wise we've ever seen get into Arkansas like this, and then perhaps even Tennessee. It'll sweep rapidly eastward off the Virginia Capes and on out to sea on Sunday. So that whole area in there, the power outages, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, into Kentucky, there's going to be a lot of power outages in there as this goes by. And even though it'll be much weaker than what we are seeing at its landfall, again, I have it down at 930 millibars, 145 gusts to 185 at landfall, uh, uh, 1 to 2 a.m. in the morning, just southwest of Lake Charles. This will be the kind of storm that when it's even inland, 24 hours inland is still wreaking havoc. Pretty, pretty unbelievable. All right. So now give us a time frame. People have been told that the floods will not be survivable. Now, oh, that's okay, exactly that's, you right. can't get, explain what's going to happen when this hits and tell us when it hits. Well, what will happen is, especially back in that Lake Charles area and those back estuaries where the water cannot get out, the, the, the height, of the, of the level of the water will continue to rise. And uh, the National Hurricane Center is at 20 feet. Uh, it may be as much as 22, 23 feet. Now, this is not the waves, folks. This is the actual level of the water. So the, the water level rises, and then there are big waves on top of it. So you're talking about unsurvivable conditions in some of these areas. Now, I realize, again, that Lake Charles is back, back in a way. Okay, you know, when Camille, Camille did the same thing, intensified until it hit. And you had that 20, 20 foot surge, 25 foot surge. And then the waves on top of it take out that hotel at uh, Pas Christian. Uh, So this is a little bit different from that as far as the population in the uh, beaches with uh, buildings facing the coast. But back inland, the problem in Louisiana that you see is that, you know, there are a lot of small uh, places built up along those bayous. I've traveled that I-10 corridor a bunch of times in there. And so those areas, 
are just going to be inundated completely. I would think, uh, you know, the worst case at Lake Charles is under 10, 15 feet of water for a while. And again, with that wind, uh, it's a devastating storm for those folks in there. And one that uh, is going to require an immense compassionate response from everybody involved at the end of this. Uh, I agree. So there's going to be, but you're, you're saying, let's talk about the impact on the energy hub, which is right there. I mean, it's on the coastline. It's on the border. Um, yeah, those two refineries. What damage do you, yeah, you got the refine. And by the way, our refining capacity is like at 125% right now. We, we haven't built yeah. a refinery in this country in forever. Yeah, well, but we have, well, thanks to the policies that have been put in place, as you know and you talk about all the time, we have plenty of oil available. The thing is trying to figure out how long uh, these two big refineries, the one in Port Arthur and the one in Lake, and the uh, one's in Lake Charles. If you ever go through Lake Charles, you see what I'm talking about, are going to be offline because those are major, major hubs. And, of course, Houston is much more populated, and uh, that, that would be an even uh, – bigger story as far as economic impact goes, uh, not that this isn't an economically very destructive storm. But, uh, you know, I, it's interesting, after Rita went through there, the oil industry really learned their lesson from that particular hurricane season. It built things that were supposed to be able to sustain winds for quite, uh, you know, winds up to 150, 200 miles an hour. So I don't know if this refinery... Uh, the one in Lake Charles is capable of doing that, but it's going to get tested uh, in there. And the, uh, the the other thing is with the power outages, you remember what happened with ECS in New York. We were out for four days. There may be power outages for three, four, five days all the way up to Little Rock. And, of course, in that area from Beaumont over to Lake Charles, uh, you know, I don't know when they'd get power back uh, with this type of situation. So I think that you're going to see people mobilize and get right down there. Fortunately, it's moving fast. It's not going to be like Harvey. Harvey stalled and just kept dumping all that heavy rain. This is going to dump a foot of rain near the path of the storm, but it's going to keep moving through. So by the time we get to, uh, let's say, Friday morning, uh, we'll be able to start cleaning up in that particular area. It gets hit initially, and by Saturday, uh, we'll be able to go further north into Arkansas and then you know, finally into Tennessee with what kind of damage they have there. Uh, well, weatherbell.com, uh, Joe Bastardi, always on top of it. As always, thank you for keeping us up to speed. We really appreciate it. Uh, all right, please, for all our friends uh, in the line of this, please hear Joe Bastardi and listen. Weatherbell.com, the official meteorologist of the uh, Sean Hannity show. And uh, pretty unbelievable. Um, and I hope people just t- I hope people take it seriously. Uh, all right, want to go? We got Herschel Walker coming up at five, but at six Eastern tonight, we're going to be doing a virtual town hall. You just go to Hannity.com. It's free to everybody. Uh, and uh, also, we have let's see, Senator uh, Tim Scott today. We got Abby Johnson today. We've got uh, Senator Rand Paul today, and so much more. You know, I'm wa- I'm just watching all of this and looking at this. And here's the question: Forget about what I may think. What did you think of what you saw last night? What inspired you at the convention last night? You know, I, I, and what is the difference between last week and this week? Because it's pretty obvious. They never even talked about the violence in our cities. They never talked about all these big liberal cities and their failure. Um, you got a, a video now out 
of an 85-year-old Chicago woman having her head slammed to the pavement by a mugger. This is just now a long series of these examples. You have Wisconsin's pro-Biden governor turned down help from the National Guard before Kenosha riots turned deadly. They turned it down. Well, now the president is acting. Maybe, maybe it's time. The Kenosha County Board has just asked for the governor to send 1,500 National Guard troops. New video shows uh, uh, Jacob Blake fighting with Kenosha cops. Um, the, that was the 29-year-old incident. I, I, you know, I looked at that video. There's a lot I didn't like about that video at all, like so many others. I want to get to the bottom of everything that was going on there. Uh, you know, you have school officials in New York City, nearly two dozen Bronx principals saying they'd love to have outdoor classrooms if only they didn't have to worry about their students getting shot or picking up used drug syringes on the ground. Wow, how did that billion-dollar cut work out for the police officers? It didn't work out very well. It's not going to work out very well. I mean, a lot of this is very, very obvious. And all of this is on the ballot in 69 days, law and order and safety and security and, and, you know, these ridiculously false promises and open borders and the United Sanctuary States of America. And we're going to take their money and we're going to transfer that money to other people and everything's free. That's been the promise of socialism for decades. You got the most radical, extreme socialist ticket ever in history in the history of this country, of a major party. Unbelievable. And, you know, we watch the First Lady. Can't even get a nice word from, you know, the Hollywood elite. That's how elitist they are. But everybody that spoke last night, they got a great lineup again tonight. And you hear about American goodness, American greatness, the great American dream, the story of American greatness. All right, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of, of this extravaganza and there's so much to uh, get to and so much to talk about. We were told to look at Joe Biden as the model of integrity, but when you look at his 47 year career in politics, the people who benefited are his family members, not the American people. Let's take a closer look. We all know about Joe's son, Hunter Biden. A corrupt Ukrainian oligarch put Hunter on the board of his gas company, even though he had no experience in Ukraine or in the energy sector. None. Yet he was paid millions to do nothing. He only had one qualification that mattered. He was the son of the man in charge of distributing USAID to Ukraine. Recently reported information revealed that a few months after Hunter Biden joined that corrupt company's board, the Obama-Biden State Department began doing business with them, even when it remained under investigation for corruption. And it gets worse. That very same company was being investigated by a Ukrainian prosecutor. Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States, threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine unless that same prosecutor was fired. And then he was fired. Hunter only resigned from that board just before his dad announced his campaign for president. Let's talk about China. Fact, Joe Biden flew to China on Air Force Two with Hunter along for the ride. 
They said he was just there as a family member, but we know that's untrue. In Beijing, Hunter didn't just go sightseeing. He had meetings with his Chinese bank partners. Hunter even arranged for his dad to meet with one of the partners. Ten days later, those Chinese communist bankers approved millions to go to Hunter's firm. And those bankers work for the Chinese Communist Party, which oppresses their people, cheated American workers for decades, and covered up a deadly virus. To this day, Hunter controls a 10% stake in that firm. And Joe Biden's done more than look the other way on China. He said, the Chinese aren't our competition. Come on, man, they're not bad folks. Come on, Joe, talk to the folks in middle America who lost countless jobs to China while your son was getting rich with them. President Trump is the first president in a generation to seek to end war rather than start one. He intends to end the war in Afghanistan. He is bringing our men and women home. Madison once wrote, no nation can preserve its freedom in the midst of continuous warfare. I'm proud to finally see a president who agrees with that. Compare President Trump with the disastrous record of Joe Biden, who's consistently called for more war. Joe Biden voted for the Iraq War, which President Trump has long called the worst geopolitical mistake of our generation. I fear Biden will choose war again. He supported the war in Serbia, Syria, Libya. Joe Biden will continue to spill our blood and treasure. President Trump will bring our heroes home. If you hate war like I hate war, if you want us to quit sending $50 billion every year to Afghanistan to build their roads and bridges instead of building them here at home, you need to support President Trump for another term. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show. That was Senator Rand Paul of uh, Kentucky uh, last night. And speaking at the Republican National Convention, I did see an ad somebody. I'm not sure who sent it out. I guess the Republican Party of Kentucky sent it out. And it actually says in it, uh, Kentuckians are uh, proud of Senator Rand Paul for his outstanding speech. I'm also proud of their bourbon, not, but not that I'm a bourbon drinker, but I have a lot of friends that also that really are big time bourbon drinkers. Uh, Senator Paul, how are you? Great job last night, sir. Very good, Sean. Thanks for having me. In fact, you know, Kentucky was dominating yesterday. We had our Attorney General Daniel Cameron on. We had was uh, was wait, 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 was he not amazing? Come on, I never, I I, I never knew this guy. He's yeah, a rock star, right? We've got a bunch of stars. I mean, we've got Attorney General Cameron, but we also had Nicholas Sandman, the kid from Covington Catholic, who was treated so abysmally by CNN and. You know, they actually had announcers on CNN saying that he deserved to be punched in the face simply for smiling back at agitators who were yelling at him. And they never have apologized for that. Well, they paid a big payout. Uh, I don't know what the amount is, and I guess nobody will ever know. But I know Linwood. Linwood happens to be one of my many attorneys, uh, Rand Paul, uh, and for good reason. And I think him and Charles Harder are by far the best two libel attorneys in the country. I'm just guessing. He's going to be a billionaire. I know Lynn Wood. I've known Lynn Wood since my Atlanta days, and he represented Richard Jewell. Uh, Lynn Wood is not going to settle for a low amount for what they did to that poor kid. You were right. Um, let, let me get into this philosophy 
You and I have had disagreements over the years on some issues in terms of foreign policy. We always respect each other. Um, and I don't want to get entangled in foreign conflicts and, and messes. The one huge area where we now have come as a country, it's always innovation. It's always invention. I don't think future wars will ever again include boots on the ground going door to door in Baghdad and where, you know, our, our, our young national treasure getting their legs blown off. Well, I think it's sort of a World War II notion that we have to occupy acreage, sort of a 20th century thing that you have to have your army sitting on a bunch of acres. You have to occupy the acres in order to attack the enemy. I think we have such amazing technology that we have the ability to disrupt terrorist camps across the globe anytime, anywhere. But we don't necessarily have to occupy territory, because once you occupy territory, you sort of own it. You break the egg, you're over there, you own it. And so what has happened is we get mired in these decades-long civil war. And what's happened in Afghanistan, where President Trump and I completely agree, is that we're spending money doing nation-building. We're building their roads, their bridges, their schools, and then they blow them up again. And they, they can't even take care of their roads. Then we have to take care of the roads. We build a natural gas gas station for them so they could have cars running on natural gas. We could reduce their carbon footprint. When did the military get involved with reducing the carbon footprint of a primitive Stone Age country like Afghanistan? Crazy. We built a luxury hotel for them for $90 million dollars. The contractor ran off with the money. So this is no longer about, you know, disrupting those who attacked us on 9-11. It's become this crazy, just endless draining of our treasury on nation building. And and President Trump really is strong on this. And that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm very much for President Trump is he understands we should not be wasting our money on these countries, many of whom hate us, many of whom burn our flag. But it's time that we really have to start take care of our own. Well, think of how uh, lacking in importance now that we're energy independent. And by the way, that's on the ballot in just 69 days, energy independence and energy production. For the first time in 75 years, we're energy independent with the world's leader, leading producer of energy. Uh, that's the first time in over 75 years. Straits of Hormuz, uh, geopolitically, strategically, are less important than ever which means we, we don't have to rush into foreign conflicts for the free flow of oil at market prices. But it's even more importantly, I, I think we've just got to militarily be so strong and so advanced that we can now hit the, the, the head of a pin at any point in the world, at any place, at any time. Uh, and we can do it from some guy pushing a button, uh, you know, in, in an office in Tampa. That's the that is the future of warfare. Now, we need offensive and defensive weaponry. And I think that if we stay ahead technologically, uh, we can protect the cause of liberty and freedom around the world and, and not lose our national treasure in future conflicts. But look at what this president's done anyway. He's been able to he wiped out the caliphate in Syria, took out Soleimani, took out Baghdadi and associates, and he took out the, the Yemeni leader. And we have a real peace deal in the Middle East with the uh, United Emirates and Israel. Yeah, and President Trump, I think, understands what Joe Biden never understood, and that is that regime change in the Middle East hasn't always made us safer. I've heard President Trump in many, many rallies say, look, Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, but when we got rid of him, we made Iran stronger. We tipped the balance of power towards Iran by getting rid of Saddam Hussein. And we also allowed there to be chaos. ISIS arose in the chaos of a weak government in Iraq, 
but also a weak government in Syria. So this really is a battle that's gone on in our party. The interesting thing is you see all these Republicans that are now lining up behind Biden. What's the one common theme they have? They all believe in regime change. They're all John Bolton acolytes, you know, Bill Crystal acolytes. These are the wing of the party that is the war caucus, the forever war caucus. They all support Biden. And that was the theme of my speech last night. Joe Biden never figured out that the Iraq war was a mistake. He went on to commit the Libyan war where we got rid of another dictator. But the problem is Libya now has no government, has civil war, and Libya is a breeding ground as we speak for more terrorists to be organized. And so it doesn't work. And I think President Trump fully understands that, and I don't think Joe Biden has gotten it. And that's why most of the neocons that used to be in the Republican Party have gone over to Biden. Well, I think modern warfare is, is just different. And by the way, thank God for technological advancement, because, again, you know, how did we beat the caliphate? Now, there's, you're going to need some boots on the ground. You always are going to need intelligence sourcing. Uh, but even that, at some point, might, that we might have game-changing technology in that area as well. Uh, the bottom line is there's evil in the world. We've got to be on the ready 24-7. I mean, we beat back communism and fascism and Nazism and imperial Japan, more recently radical Islamism. Uh, how many, you know, we lost uh, over 100 million human souls in the last century alone, Rand Paul. Yeah, and I think you're right. The technolo- technology has really transformed things. That coupled with the idea that, when we try to replace governments in these places, we often get governments just as bad or equally as bad. And one of the things that's come out of the Iraq war is that the Iraq government largely is sympathetic to and allied with Iran now. So you used to have Iraq as a forever enemy of Iran, and they were a counterbalance to Iran. Now you basically have them as a vassal nation. And so you have an elected parliament, but because most of Iraq is Shia, the Shias are very sympathetic to their uh, fellow religious uh, co-religionists in uh, in Iran, and so what you have now is not a good situation. You have Iran very much allied with Iraq, and we're the ones that spent all the, the lives and treasure to free Iraq, only to have them join the ranks of Iran. So we have to just be careful of the unintended consequences, and we have to be able to defend ourselves, to stop people from attacking ourselves, and technology has greatly added that. But we also have to have, I guess, an understanding of our limitations that we don't always know what the best choice is in these countries. We can't really even relate to their societies. We should be defended against them if they harbor ambitions to attack us. But really, we can't and shouldn't always think that we can choose the leaders for every country around the world. Quick break. We'll come right back. Uh, Rand Paul from Kentucky is with us. Six Eastern, Herschel Walker and I town hall together. Just go to Hannity.com. All right, as we continue with Senator Rand Paul, great state of Kentucky. Uh, one thing that also has happened, which was unthinkable, maybe even five years ago, and that is this new alliance that has emerged uh, against Iranian hegemony and a nuclear-armed Iran, and that's the Jordanians and the Egyptians and the Saudis and the Emirates and the Israelis and the U.S. You know, we're sharing intelligence and, and information on levels never before witnessed, um, but the bottom line is we don't want to get dragged into the foreign conflicts. But, uh, Rand, we, uh, Paul, we always love having you on. Is Mitch McConnell going to win his race in Kentucky, sir? I think so. He's well ahead. And, you know, his opponent is a woman who ran against Andy Barr for Congress. 
and lost that seat. So she couldn't even win a marginal seat in Kentucky, much less, you know, we have several Republican seats as well. The other problem she has is they caught her on a video recording saying to a bunch of leftists up in Martha's Island, oh, I'm way more liberal than anybody in Kentucky. Just, she just said, as long as they don't know it, I have a chance. But she's admitted she's a liberal, and she has no uh, connection at all with the conservatives. Uh, by the way, Kentucky let's just say people in Kentucky. Church, checkmate, it's over. Uh, I know the people of Kentucky well. Rand Paul, thank you. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Hannity tonight will be from Fort McHenry. Um, great lineup tonight. We're going to do what we did last night. We're going to cover as much of it as we can. As per your request, we take requests on radio and TV. Uh, and uh, anyway, thank you, as always, for being with us. Don't forget, live free or die. America and the world on the brink. At 6 p.m. tonight, right after the show, 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 Eastern, Herschel Walker and I are doing a town hall together. How cool. And it was planned. I didn't even know when we're friends that that he was speaking at the convention. I guess we're not as close as I thought. You didn't tell me. <laughs> anyway, that's 6 Eastern. I hope you can join us. It's a virtual town hall. Hannity. Just go to Hannity.com. Anybody can join. It's totally free. All right, live free or die, America, the world on the brink. You decide 69 days, 40% off. And I do love saving money on Amazon.com, Walmart, uh, Costco's, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, it's gonna, and uh, what a Target, all these great stores. You know, we're smelly Walmart shoppers and Trump supporters. 6 Eastern tonight, right after this radio program, Herschel Walker uh, and I will be doing a town hall together. It's absolutely free, wide open. All you have to do is go to Hannity.com, click on the join button, and it's that simple. We'd love to have you join us. Um, he's such a good person. We had this scheduled before he, uh, before I even knew he was speaking at the event. Uh, we become very good. I've become very good friends with Herschel. <laughs> Last time he was in studio, we were doing push-ups together. Long story. He does fifteen hundred push-ups a day, fifteen hundred sit-ups a day. I mean, and I, and I'm like, I do my hundred and twenty, and I do my hundred and twenty sit-ups, and I'm like, uh, uh, and uh. I mean, he's just an amazing man, amazing athlete, amazing, amazing heart and soul and mind. And he's just such a wonderful person. Uh, we uh, we watched last night Abby Johnson and by, oh, Herschel will be at the top of the next hour. Abby Johnson, the founder of And Then There Were None. And she spoke last night at the RNC. She spoke during my hour about the sanctity of life. You know, I listen, if you think this is going to be a discussion about abortion or whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, this is not what we're talking about here at some point. And it is amazing. I, now, I have friends that tell me that they are, quote, pro-choice. I asked them to define that. And for almost without exception, remember, abortion is going to be legal but rare. Those were Bill Clinton's words. And then you think of Governor Northup, and then it became something that 10 states proposed, you know, that this idea that, you know, a, a woman in labor having having carried a baby full term that is viable and able and capable to live outside the womb. Um, that, you know, what was his description? Well, first, we're going to first the baby will be born and 
if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. A discussion about what? Well, the discussion is whether they would continue to provide care for a child. An individual, the most innocent among us. I I could not believe the woman that proposed that bill in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Literally, it said, was asked, well, can we have an uh, abortion? You know, it, even if a woman is dilated. Oh, yeah, the bill would allow for an abortion. Meaning you're in the birth process. The baby is about to be born. This is not about pro-choice here. This is now about infanticide and murder. And there are people that say that they, they were trying to, they're trying to make this legal. I mean, one of the more extreme people on abortion is, is Kamala Harris. Very different. Now, I understand people that would say, but everybody that I know that says they're pro-choice, they, they don't like the idea of abortion. It's like, okay, we have enough birth control. And, and most people I know are libertarian. We can, we can pretend all we want that we think, people care about what other people are doing in their bedrooms no, I, nobody cares hate to tell you it's it i think americans has a pretty libertarian streak by and large and um the idea that people are responsible is one that we should a discussion we all should have anyway so the story of abby johnson is compelling and she used to run a planned parenthood one of the outlets there and you know, she talked last night about Margaret Sanger. I thought we were one of the few people that ever talked about her racism and belief in eugenics and everything else. So in the course of her work with Planned Parenthood, she saw a baby fighting for its life as it was aborted in the womb. And that was the moment when she realized she was called to protect lives and not take them. I, you know, and I'll let her say it in her own words because she joins us now. Abby Johnson, how are you? Thank you for being with us. Yeah, of course. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, and by the way, your your story was turned into a book, I believe, and a movie for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, called Unplanned. Let's talk about what was your position at Planned Parenthood? How long have you had been there and how many abortions did you partake in? Yeah, I was there for eight years. I was a clinic director there, and um, over the the course of my time with Planned Parenthood, I, um, you know, I was responsible for probably around twenty two thousand abortions, uh, responsible in one way or another. Um, but you know, had not been directly involved. Um, in abortion as far as, you know, participating directly um, in the abortion. Well, I mean, so tell us about, all right, eight years is a long time. I guess it was fairly routine as a part of your day, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, being the clinic director, I mean, I'm I'm not a medical person. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. Um you know, I was a administrative person, so I was, you know, responsible for personnel. I was responsible for budgets, um, you know, clinic flow, things like that, um, counseling, 
Um, so yeah, but it was you know it was a long time uh, to be there for sure. Oh, so tell me about the day that ch- things changed for you, the moment things changed. Yeah, we had a, uh, a visiting physician come in. He was going to, to do a different type of abortion procedure. He was going to use an ultrasound during the entire abortion procedure, which is uncommon. Usually abortion is done without uh, ultrasound guidance. The, the physician has a uh, the suction instrument, he just blindly pokes around inside the woman's uterus until he thinks he has enough blood and tissue in a glass jar. Um, but this, this doctor uh, had his own private practice. He said he wanted to do uh, the abortion this way. He thought it would be a, a, a good learning opportunity for us. Um, but, of course, it, you need an extra person to hold the ultrasound probe in place during the, the actual abortion procedure. So, um, I was called in. That was my job. Um, we did the measurement. We found that the the baby was 13 weeks along. Um, at 13 weeks, everything on an unborn child is, you know, completely formed. Um, arms, legs, fingers, toes, heart's been beating since 18 days post-conception. Brain waves are functioning. Um, every internal organ that, that we sit here with today is, is formed on an unborn child. And... Um, you know, I sat there feeling nervous about what I was going to see because I'm looking at the screen and recognizing that it looks like a baby. Um, but, you know, really trying hard to believe the the talking points that I've been told by Planned Parenthood for eight years of my life, that this is just tissue, that, you know, a baby has no sensory development or does not feel anything until 28 weeks gestation. Um, but, I, you know, I couldn't deny what I saw. I couldn't deny that um, when the, the suction instrument touched the side of this baby, uh, he jumped and he began flailing his arms and legs as if he was trying to, to move away from, from the suction instrument. And, uh, you know, like I said last night in my, my talk, when the doctor asked the, the technician to turn on the suction machine, he said, beam me up, Scotty. And the suction was turned on. And I, I watched this, this tiny body become torn into pieces inside of the mother's womb. And, uh, and I, I watched in horror. And I, I couldn't believe um, what I had seen. And I, I knew then that um, there was humanity in the womb. There was life in the womb. And um, it was just like this veil had been lifted off of my eyes. And I knew that I could never participate in, in abortion again. So let's fast forward. And by the way, I, I understand you're the, a mom of eight. Uh, congratulations. And now you, your life is totally been transformed and by the way i think with medical advancement what what is the age now or you know a, a baby that's born premature can be saved i mean the amazing thing is what you're describing can be happening on one floor of a hospital and on another floor the most extraordinary means to save uh premature what as they call them preemies uh is done and done successfully at what age now are we able to save a a baby that is not fully formed, but in a mother's womb, but, but through these, what do you call those things? The, I almost going to say incubators and not incubators. The, um, uh, you know how they, the, the machines. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of, the, I think right now the youngest baby that's been saved, um, outside of the womb was in its 21st week, um, right. of life. 
And by the way, Kamala um, Harris goes beyond that in her belief. All right. So, my right. tell oh, us what yeah. you do I now. Mean, I know you traveled across the globe telling your story. And tell us your organization. Yeah, I have an organization called And Then There Were None. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization. We seek to help abortion clinic workers leave the abortion industry and, and seek um, new employment, hope, and healing through Jesus Christ. We um, also seek to um, end abortion through closing down abortion facilities based on the information that these workers know. We have helped to close 21 abortion facilities um, just through the information that they know, you know, they talk to legislative bodies, they talk to health departments. Um, you know, these workers know what's going on inside of these clinics. They have the knowledge um, to shut down these abortion facilities, and, and we get that knowledge into the hands of people that can actually do something about it. I'll add one thing, and I, I wish you all the best, and and I love uh, I love your story, and and it's one of transformation, and then there were none as a great organization. We also have to do something else as a society. If young girls end up getting pregnant, we can't put a scarlet letter on them because they had sex. Let's be honest here. And, and they've got to know that nobody's going to judge them and condemn them if they say, I think I'm going to choose to deliver the baby, but I'm too young to raise a child yet. You know, it's sort of like the Kenny Chesney song, There Goes My Life, My Future, My Everything. Everyone should watch that video. But um, and, I, and I can tell you that, you know, we've, we've got to be kinder to people that, that maybe, OK, you're pregnant. OK, what, how, like, how can we help you? How can we help you? I would I mean, I, I know Jerry Falwell Sr., for example, yeah, he offered any girl that was pregnant a free scholarship, place to live on campus, and medical attention if she was pregnant, and and to help deliver the baby. Unbelievable. But anyway, and then there was Nun Founder, uh, and now traveling around the world with an incredible story to tell. Abby Johnson, thank you for sharing that story with us. We appreciate it. I hope it makes people think more deeply, okay? Thanks so much, John. 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, as we continue from the swamp, the sewer, Washington, D.C., we'll be at Fort McHenry tonight. Uh, Vice President uh, Pence, I mean, they have a great lineup tonight. You know what's been amazing? I told everybody yesterday, I said, you know, I got feedback from night one and my coverage, and I, I had no idea what to expect. And it was amazing. The, the event, the, compared to the last week, it's like night and day. The depressing, I hate Trump, I hate Trump, I hate Trump. And it's like these are American greatness, exceptionalism, goodness on display. And, I mean, incredible Americans telling their incredible American, uniquely American story. Uh, so last night we just ran, ran it all. I think I went in one, two, three, three times just very quickly after Nicholas Salmon. I couldn't stop myself. I thought... Tiffany Trump did well. Eric Trump. Everybody. I loved Nicholas Sandman. Nicholas Sandman knocked it out of the park. You know, and such Lynn, a class act. I looked at him. What a, he's a handsome young man. He's so young. He's grown up. And I, I so poised. He was on Fox and Friends this morning. I saw him. Wants to be a libel lawyer. Oh, Look, I wonder why. Yeah, Lynn Wood, by the way, one of my attorneys, uh, is uh, representing him. And all this stuff, oh, they didn't pay much money. Let me tell you something. I know Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood's a friend of mine. Lynn Wood is not going to settle for next to nothing after what they did to that poor kid. But to Lynn Wood's credit, he also does not take on people who do not deserve to be defended. This is a man who takes on those cases that are so egregious in nature. I asked him to take me on, and, and he shockingly yeah, said yes. the things that people try to say to you are about you are horrible. Yeah, but and I the can't. the same thing goes for Nick but, Salmon. But he's not me. I'm a public figure. 
Times v. Sullivan, very clear, makes very big. This kid's going to be a billionaire. That's my prediction. All right, but don't forget, uh, when we come back, Herschel Walker, we're doing a town hall at a little over an hour from now. Right after radio. Right after radio. Go to Hannity.com. We go up right at 6. Don't try to go early. Right at 6. Click on uh, Join Now. It's free. And we're just going to talk. He's been a rock star. Herschel Walker, Sean Hannity, 6 o'clock. Hope you can make it. Live free or die. Amazon.com. Bookstores everywhere. And uh, Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Set your DVR, hopefully every night. Fort McHenry, Vice President Pence's night. Uh, and we'll continue. From the swamp. All right, live free or die, America, the world on the brink. Live free or America dies. You are the ultimate jury in just 69 days. I hope you feel the urgency that I feel. It's like, okay, this is how I view this election. You got to act like you're six points down. You have no timeouts. You're on your own 20. You got to march down the field, cross the plane, kick the extra point to win. Because that's what it's like for any Republican to win the the presidency. When you start out without New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California's electoral votes, it's hard. Um, one at less than one hour from right now, right at six o'clock straight up Eastern time, Hannity.com. If you click on the join now, Herschel Walker and I are doing a town hall together, and I'm so honored to call him a friend, one of the greatest football champions ever. And, uh, sir, it's an honor to have you back. And, you know, we had this scheduled, this town hall, before I even knew you were doing the RNC convention, and, and you turned out to be the star of the convention. It's an honor well, to have you, my friend. Well, thank you. I don't know whether I was the star of the convention, but first, I want to congratulate you on your new book and stuff, so I'm going to have to be going out uh, get, purchasing me one, and since it's 40% off... No, I, no, Herschel, we're friends. I'll send you as many copies no, 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 as you no, no. want. I'm, Don't worry. Hey, I'm going to support the cause. I'm going to go out and <laughs> okay. purchase the book. <laughs> yes, but uh, congratulations. Well, but, you know, I, I had to speak the truth, and, and you know, I, like I said, I've been I've known uh, President Trump over half of my life, and and he's meant a lot to me, and, and, and people don't know that we're we're very close friends. We're not just friends. We're very close friends. And if I think if I hadn't spoken the truth, I think it would have been a, a disservice to this, this this country because people have seen President Trump from a Twitter, but I wanted people to know that he's not that. And, and, and I've said it many times, look at his family. Look at the way his kids are, and that should tell you the type of man he is. He's a loving father. He's a great man. He loves this country, and he loves uh, everyone in this country. He's de- going to defend everyone in this country. Um, I'm going to tell a story about me, you, and, and President Trump that, that I'll share, but I'll save it for the town hall in less than an hour. If people go to Hannity.com, click on the Join Now button that we're going to be doing together. Tell me about the reaction since you've given that speech. Well, I've had a big, big positive reaction. You know, I think a lot of people knew that I played for uh, President Trump's team. You know, he owned the New Jersey Generals. They knew I played for his team, and they knew uh, that I knew him, but they didn't know that, we, you know, we had a, a personal friendship that, you know, I've been at his house that, you know, I've taken, and I always said Little Ivanka and Little Donald, you know, I used to take them to every amusement park, Disney World, and all those places that, you know, I have pictures of me and little Donald where we were doing different things. He's not little no more. He's he's big Donald, Donald Jr., where we were doing things together. And I have a, a very, very close friendship with him. And, and uh, you know, even when he was a president, uh, you know, he would call and we would talk. And, and he's advised me on a lot of different things. And 
So when I heard the word racism, this is what's so, so important, and I want people to hear this because people of color would know what I'm talking about. When he was called all those names, not one time did this president ask me to speak up for him. Not one time. And it was interesting because I don't think he even knew that I was going to do this here, and they may have made it a surprise to him because uh, I knew that I had to speak up for him because I knew that this guy is not a racist. If he was a racist, first of all, I wouldn't have been friends with him. Second of all, uh, how, how he leave his kids with me, that he trusted me with his kids, and you know how much he loves his kids. And stuff, and uh, you know, he we've been. I've been in his home. He's been at my home, you know, and and so I knew that I had to speak up for him because I want people to know this man is not a racist. This man loved the United States of America, and if anyone should love the United States of America, should it not be your president? You better hope your president loves this country, and he does love this country. And and I couldn't sit back because I think we're in a political civil war right now, and you know, you can vote for who you want to vote for, but the best one for that job is President Donald Trump. You know, uh, a friend of mine, Deneen Borelli, wrote a book years ago called Blacklash. It was a huge bestseller. And she writes in the beginning of the book that if you Google her name, the most vicious and vile and hateful, you know, adjectives used against her because she happens to be uh, African-American and a conservative. Have you experienced that? You know, I have. Uh, you know, people have. Yeah, there are some people that have lashed out at me uh, in a negative way, but and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because uh, you know that's what I want to change people's minds on. That is that we live in the United States of America where we can agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean you go out and you hurt or destroy property or do anything outside that's breaking the law. You know, I want people to disagree with me sometimes because that that shows that you are a free thinker. And, you know, I want people to know that, you know, I was raised, and this is the honest truth, I was raised where I thought I was Democratic. And do you hear what I said? I thought I was Democratic because, you know, that's what my parents used to believe. They thought that as well. But then as I look back over my life and I look back at, and I start studying, I saw that most of the time my parents voted Democratic because of what the Democrat did during the time, during voting season. They always came to the town. They gave out little trinkets or whatever, they did little things and make them feel, oh, like we really cared about you, but nothing ever happened. Nothing ever changed. And that's what I said about what's happening right now. And I'm, you know, I don't want to put Vice President Biden down, but I said he's been in office 47 years. And I said, I want the people to wake up. I want them to wake up, and I, excuse me for using this, but I said, don't uh, tell me it's raining because you're pissing on my leg, because that is the problem. He has not done nothing since he's been in office, and today he's going to change the world at 70-something years old. I call it the grandfather effect. You know how you have that grandfather that says real crazy, stupid things, and you let him get away with it because he's old. He's your grandfather now. Well, today that's what they letting him do. Well, what was so telling today, and I want the people to wake up to this. They need to hear this. What was so telling, Vice President Biden got through his, his speech during the convention. Everyone, now I'm not just talking about uh, on, the, on the right, everyone on the left, they were so excited that he can get through his speech without doing something silly. And are you telling me that right now you want the most powerful man in the world to be someone that you don't really think can get through a speech, a 30 to 40-minute speech? You don't, you're so afraid what he may say or do, and he's been in, the, in, the, in this politic, in this political world for four to seven years. And I'm like, guys, you need to think about this. Please don't let people fool you right now. 
and just because they have an agenda. You know, if we want to make people accountable, if we want to change things, this president has been doing it. And I want people to see that. Quit not look, quit being blinded. Quit being blinded. Look and see what this man has done. In only three years, he's been in office under constant attacks all the time. He's always under constant attack, and he's still reaching out to help the people. In 2016, Herschel Walker is our guest, and we'll have a town hall together, Hannity.com, 6 Eastern, right after this program, less than an hour from now. And just click join now. It's free for anybody you want to join. He's going to interview me a little about the book, but mostly we're just going to talk and have a good conversation like we always do privately and on this radio program. And uh, when I can get you on TV, we love having you. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump said in 2016, well, you got nothing. You know, tell me what you got to lose. And it was like, I never heard that from a politician. What he's saying is. Every two and four years, you always hear the same thing. Republicans are racist. They're sexist. They're misogynist. They're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water. They want grandma and grandpa uh, to eat dog food and cat food. And then some Republican lookalike will throw them over the cliff when they're in a wheelchair. And it's all a lie and a caricature. And you want to look at Joe Biden's record on race, not particularly appealing, praising the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64, Robert KKK Byrd, and it was against the Voting Rights Act, but also partnered with him against integration of schools because he didn't want his kids going to a public school that was, quote, a racial jungle. Imagine if Donald Trump said that. Well, that's exactly right, and that's, and that's why I said I don't, I don't want America to be blinded right now. We have an opportunity to change things, and this, this president in three years have done so much. He's done so much, and I want people that, uh, that see that. And I'm not, you know, you look at the people that have been in office that hasn't changed anything, but now racism has become a big issue. You know, you talk about what has become a big issue, and then, you know, they use the word free. You know, and I, and I say this about, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know whether I'm a millennium, but I said, you know, we're smart people. The United States of America are very smart people. We know that there's nothing in life is free. And we can't not look at, you know, they want to look at the top X, X on of, uh, of our, uh, well, our salary makers, the, the billionaires and all that. I want to take that money. You know, I don't. I don't want to take that money. I want to use them as an, as an example to promote me to go out to be better than I am. And, you know, and, Sean, I'm going to blame myself here. I'm going to blame myself because my Lord Jesus Christ has blessed Herschel Walker with so much. And yet, I, I did reach back and help my hometown. I'm still helping my hometown. I'm building a fitness park in my hometown for the elderly because of the obesity thing. So I'm building a fitness park in my hometown. Well, because I've had the ability, I am sorry that I have not reached out to places like Chicago or like Baltimore or like, like right now, like in those inner cities, and be an example for some of the kids there that may be missing a, a family member, may be missing a, a mom or a dad, and giving them the encouragement that they need. You know, I reached out in my hometown and these other little hometowns, but it's my responsibility also to reach out to those kids as well that may be suffering as well and say, guys, no, 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 you can do it like this here. And also put the pressure on the people in Washington that hasn't been doing it to say, guys, I want better schools in those places. I want to get those get the education that they deserve to have in places like Chicago, in places like Baltimore, in places like you know. I want them to have the education because that is the key. Also, uh, you have that Christian belief. You know, I told someone the other day. I said, "What made me so angry? 
And what really, really made me so angry, when I saw someone holding a BLM sign up, they was, born, they was burning a Holy Bible, a United States flag, and a cross. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to sit back and let them do that. I said, what we need to do, we have to put God back into this country because we have a God. And when I see the left, do not even want to mention God in the Pledge of Allegiance. Do not even want to mention God on the Senate floor when they're swearing someone in. I said, they're not going to let him in the House. If I were you, I would not go in that house either. If they're not going to let God in that house, there's not a safe house to go in, then I wouldn't go in it. And that's what I'm saying. Right now, we have an opportunity to vote. And I'm saying to vote for someone that's going to be the great leader. And I said, if, if anything came off today, if anything happened today, who would you want in office? I would guarantee you the majority of the people would say Donald Trump because they know he would defend the United States of America foreign and domestic, which is what the oath people take. And I said, that's what we have to do. And I would wish that the, the Democratic Party would defend the Constitution of the United States foreign and domestic because they've taken the Constitution and ripped it apart. Wow. That's very powerful, all that you just said. It. All right, as we continue with uh, Herschel Walker, don't forget Hannity.com. In just a little over a half hour, we're doing a town hall together, virtual town hall. It's free. It's open to everybody. He'll interview me a little bit, and then we'll just have a long conversation about whatever happens. Anyway, right after the show. And by the way, if I could ever help in any of these endeavors you're talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So when you give this, you know, you, you, very powerful, well-received speech at the the convention have you had any negative uh backlash of any kind oh no i've had some negative backlash and and you're gonna get that but the overwhelm of positive uh has been uh it's so much better and you know and i won't like i said i don't want everyone to agree with me i want people to have negative backlash at the same thing i said all they want to do is uh talk about make people go to the voting booth like they, they're worried about whether they can, they can keep their rent, keep their rent paid. They're worried about putting food on their table. They're worried about putting a roof over their head and then blaming the president for that when they didn't want to pass the stimulus bill. What they want to do is put all these other things that had nothing to do with, nothing to do with getting a roof over these people's head, getting food on their table, and then they say it's the president's fault. Amazing. No, it's the people that won't come to the table because you remember Senator Scott wanted to talk about police reform, they wouldn't even come to the table to talk about it. I'm not going to say everything they wanted was in the bill, but what I am saying is he at least was trying to make a change. Well, and he got it done. And by the way, there's a whole list of things that Joe and Barack never got done that Donald Trump got done. Um, Herschel Walker, a little over a half hour from now, Hannity.com, just click on the Join Here Now button, and we're going to have a town hall. We'll reverse roles a little bit. Interview me, but it'll just be a friendly discussion. Um, and wide open topics, free for anybody. Hannity.com, Herschel Walker, God bless you. You're a dear friend, and uh, I'm so honored that you're doing this with us tonight. Hey, thank you, and thank you for having me with you, uh, Sean. I'll tell you what, you're, you're my family, so I will stand shoulder to shoulder with you any times. Let me tell you something. If you want one guy shoulder to shoulder, it's Herschel, who does 1,500 push-ups and and sit-ups at least a day. Herschel Walker, God bless you. We'll be uh, together again in in a little over a half hour, Hannity.com. All right, live free or die. Don't forget Herschel Walker and I doing a town hall together in 25 minutes from right now. Just go to uh, Hannity.com. It's free for everybody. He'll interview me a little bit. Then it's just going to be a wide-open discussion. 
free for anybody to join uh, Hannity.com. Click on the Join Now button in 25 minutes. Can't wait to see you all there. Um, uh, you know, it was interesting. I'm going to play this a couple of cuts from Tim Scott the other night, and then Senator Scott from South Carolina is going to join us, friend of this program. And he talks about the election being about the promise of America. I want you to hear this. This election is about your future. And it is critical to paint a full picture of the records of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden said if a black man didn't vote for him, he wasn't truly black. Joe Biden said black people are a monolithic community. It was Joe Biden who said poor kids can be just as smart as white kids. And while his words are one thing, His actions take it to a whole new level. In 1994, Biden led the charge on a crime bill that put millions of black Americans behind bars. President Trump's criminal justice reform law fixed many of the disparities Biden created and made our system more fair and just for all Americans. Joe Biden also failed our nation's historically black colleges and universities, heaping blame on them as they fought to ensure our young folks had access to higher education. Once again, to clean up Joe Biden's mess, President Trump signed into law historically high funding for HBCUs, as well as a bill to give them permanent funding for the first time ever. Incredible speech. Uh, I've gotten to become friends with Senator Scott. Real, I think really good friends. Um, that was so powerful. Tell us about what that means to you, um, because I just listened and I said, wow, we need to hear this. Well, thank you so much, Sean. I hope you're doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show. You are truly a good friend of mine. I'll say this. Uh, thank the you. Cotton- by, by the way, that just ruined your political career, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to stick close to your friends, no matter what. But I'll say this. There's no doubt in my mind, my grandfather's journey in one lifetime embodies why we should all be in love with America. He, he started out on a very rough side of the road. America was less fair than it is today. But we continue to move towards the more perfect union. And his advice to me when he was in his 90s was simply to lean in to the potential of yourself and your nation. And the story of redemption, America's redemption from the Civil War to my personal redemption from almost failing out of high school, he embodied the notion that all things are possible because we're Americans. And I wanted to share that story because today there are so many naysayers about how fair and how good this nation is. I believe in the goodness of America. I've experienced it. And if we all understand the blessing that we have, the blessing of being an American, we will be prepared to make it even better for the next generation. And your commitment to truth, justice, and the American way is one of the reasons why I admire you so much. Plus, like Herschel Walker, you are a martial art expert. Uh, I wouldn't get in the octagon for all the money in the world against Herschel <laughs> Walker. Uh, I do 120 push-ups and sit-ups a day. He does 1,500 of each a day. And, um, but I, I, uh, he's a dear friend. I admire him. And I, I, I love your story. You know, I, I, mine's different, but 
it's American in its own way. All four yeah. grandparents, very poor from Ireland at the turn of the last century. I mean, poor. My mom grew up poor in the South Bronx, became a prison guard, worked double shifts almost my entire life growing up. My wow. dad, a family court probation guy, grew up poor in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, fought in World War II um, for four years in the Pacific, also a waiter on weekends. And I know I stand on their shoulders. I just Absolutely. know it. And, and, and uh, I mean, they, they weren't guaranteed free everything from the government at all. As a matter of fact, there was no safety net for either generation there. And that's part of the promise of America, is that anyone from anywhere at any time can rise beyond the previous generation and perhaps even exceed their wildest expectations. That's the promise of America. And one of the things I love about you and I love about our country is that we're all striving to create access to opportunity for more people. We as conservatives believe in equal opportunity, not equal outcomes. And it doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you look like. You know, you, you said the words of becoming a more perfect union, and I guess maybe it's not fashionable. It certainly wasn't last week. I, I, I see a celebration of American goodness and greatness and exceptionalism this week. Two very different conventions. A lot of hate last week that I saw on display. Yes. You know, but, but you, you, and we have this national debate about, you know, removing this monument and that, this and that, you know. And I think the beauty of our framers and founders, and tell me if I'm wrong, is they created a system, a constitution, where we have proven it works to right yes. wrongs and correct injustices to become a more perfect union. We've made a ton of progress, and we've got a ton more 100%. to make. We do. And, and, and the good news is we will. We will. I agree with that. I and tell you, it doesn't didn't look like it in no, Wisconsin. No, not today. Nope. Oh, here, so here's sad. Thing, though, Sean. It really is sad. But this is why the president's right that he needs to dispatch federal assistance to the governor and to the mayor, because the first the first step to a more perfect union is unity. Therefore, you have to have the absence of chaos. And that leads to the presence of of constructive conversations and investigation into that shooting. You can't have that, and it certainly is pushed to the side when you see violence in your streets. It does not lead to a clear, concise investigation. It leads actually to the need for more investigations, and that's a problem. It's a problem, though, that we can solve, and you have to first restore order so that you can actually get to the facts. We shouldn't jump to conclusions. Yeah. Oh, I got we a question then. Okay, you see all these, the one thing these cities and states have in common, New York, Chicago, uh, uh, we see Seattle, Portland. Liberal. Um, Liberal. Okay, At L.A., San Francisco. Now, um, uh, what, what happened Liberal. in Wisconsin now in the last 24 hours and and I'm watching all of this, and I'm thinking, you, I don't see any way to pursue happiness if you don't have no. law, order, safety, security. I don't see any way to pursue happiness if you don't get a quality education. And those, yep. uh, the, all those cities have one thing, a couple of things in common. They're not safe and secure. There's no law and order, and they have the worst educational results in the entire country. 
And I'm like, that we're failing our children, our national treasure, by allowing this to continue. 100%, John. And unfortunately, the one thing they also have in common that you didn't mention is liberal democratic rule for decades, if not generations. They're... There, there is then why something. do they keep electing these the, these politicians that fail them spectacularly? I don't have an answer for that. I do have an answer that when you look at these situations and you ask yourself the question, what do they have in common? Unfortunately, the answer is liberal Democrat leadership leads in those cities to chaos and the loss of hope. We, as the president said in 2016, I know he offended some people when he said it. I thought it was actually pretty accurate. What do you have to lose? And what did he I do? I mentioned that to Herschel Walker in the last half hour. I said the same did thing to him. Who runs on that? What do you have to lose? But he was yeah. right. But what did he produce, though? And this is the question. This is what I asked the audience to listen to. Promises made, promises kept. He said, what do you have to lose? He said, give me a chance. And what did he do? Produced the best economy with the greatest growth for the very people who did not vote for him. He got 8% of the black vote. But if you look at the economic results of the Trump administration, 7 million new jobs pre-COVID-19, two-thirds went to African-Americans, Hispanics, and women. He did not create a platform based on who votes for him. He created a platform to make America stronger healthier and to create access to opportunity in a way we haven't seen in my lifetime. Tell me about your personal relationship with Donald Trump. I know, for example, you last time you were on this show, you said you partnered with the president on on police reform. And not only was everything you asked for in the executive order and Democrats wouldn't even talk about it. And but then you got more than you asked for. Yes. Tell me about the relationship with you and him. The the president and I, our our relationship was born after Charlottesville. So think about that. A a tough, challenging time produced more healthy outcomes for communities of color as he brought me to the Oval Office to discuss our our challenge. What, What resulted from that was a president who listened to a senator he didn't have to. What happened was a guy, Donald J. Trump, who happens to be the president of the United States, listened to a guy, Tim Scott, who happens to be a senator, but, but he did so because he wanted to hear my story. He wanted to hear my perspective. When that happens from the top of the food chain, you know something good is going to happen to the rest of the food chain. And one of the reasons why I defend him and I respect him is he didn't have to respond by inviting me to the Oval Office. But every time since then, we have developed a relationship that goes beyond racial politics, beyond cultural revolutions. It goes to the core of what it means to have a healthy friendship. It goes to trust. So every time we hear about opportunity zones, every time we hear about criminal justice reform and police reform, and and again, by the way, Joe and, and Barack Obama, they, they had eight years to do these things. They didn't do any of them. They didn't do any of them, um, right. You worked with President Trump and 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 got everything. Is it fair to say that you asked for uh, that and more? Listen, when the president signed not only the highest level of funding for historically black colleges and universities, he made the funding permanent. That is something Joe Biden did not do. If any of your listeners just Google the 
Obama administration and historically black colleges and universities, you'll read article after article as the presidents and chancellors say the, the administration, Obama administration, is failing the poorest kids trying to come to these schools. But what did President Trump do? President Trump actually increased the funding to the highest levels possible. He made it permanent. So this is not me as a Republican defending my Republican president. This, these are news stories that give you an objective perspective on the previous administration versus this administration. Think about the 1994 crime bill. Joe Biden disproportionately negatively impacted black Americans by incarceration. That's not my perspective. That's what Corey what about him partnering said. on integration, you know, to stop, yes. you know, as he, the racial jungle of, the, of integration. He, he partnered with a former Klansman. Exactly. So we're not talking about this. This is my point. The left and the unbalanced, unfair reporting in the media about what President Trump has done versus what Vice President Biden refused to do leads to a very distorted picture of reality. And in my opinion, that poisons the well overall. It makes it very hard to have an objective opinion. So those of us who can advocate on behalf of common sense and truth have to do it at the highest level, and we have to shout it from the mountaintops and that's part of the responsibility I have. It's to tell people the truth of the whole relationship with President Trump and what he's done for all of America with no exclusions. That's the good news. Well, I, I think the good news. And sadly, you told the story that six times since you've been a U.S. senator, you've been stopped and people didn't believe you were a U.S. senator. Yeah, that's happened several times. And uh, it's one of the things that we're still working through. And we have to continue to work on. And uh, literally after the, the police chief of the Capitol looked at the video, he came and apologized. He couldn't believe it. And that's good news and bad news. Bad news, we still have work to do. Good news is I, w I wasn't injured. I wasn't harmed. I was offended, but I, I can get over that. And so that's why I believe in this concept of a more perfect union. I know the stain of discrimination. I also know the, 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 the embrace of equality, and I love one, and I'm going to fight to make sure the other one happens as infrequently as possible, and we're heading I, in that direction. Thank you, Senator. appreciate you being with us. As always, great job this week. You should take a bow. It was an incredible speech, and uh, thanks for sharing all these insights with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. If you want to be a part of the program, me and Herschel Walker, just a few minutes, Hannity.com, 6 Eastern a joint town hall together. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, don't forget, a lot of announcements here. Uh, we will be at Fort McHenry tonight. Full coverage again like last night. We have no guests tonight. So it's going to be, we're going to run the program. I'll be the uh, quarterback. Uh, starts at 9 Eastern. Kelly, I mean, such a great lineup. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, Kellyanne Conway, obviously a lot of people want to hear from her. Karen Pence, Vice President Pence. It's just a huge lineup. Uh, full coverage, always say DVR, Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News. Also, thank you for being with us. And now, immediately at 6 Eastern, just a few minutes from right now, go to Hannity.com, Town Hall, me and Herschel Walker. It's free. Everybody's invited. Hope you can join us. We'll do a little interview with me, and then we're just going to talk. And you could be a part of that discussion. Uh, then we'll see you from Fort McHenry tonight. 
9 Eastern, Satan DVR, Hannity Fox News. Uh, final day, we'll be in the swamp again tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight, back here tomorrow.